Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you.
everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Rory Sodder Show. I'm your host, Rory Sodder. It is great to be with all of you. Happy Tuesday. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. I hope it all went accordingly. I hope it was fun. I hope it was productive. And I hope wherever you are today, and, and I, it's going well. And I hope your week is uh, going accordingly. Um, God, I will tell you, though, I have missed all of you. We had, we had our last show on Thursday. Um, we had a fantastic shows last week, amazing guests, amazing storylines, so many different topics uh, we covered and addressed uh, for the better. And, uh, you know, it just goes, it goes on and on. I mean, we, we, uh, the show just, I love it. I love how it just keeps uh, moving and moving and getting better and better and uh, grows and grows each episode. I mean, we, we get more listeners, we get more um, more attendance, uh, more sponsors, more, um, it just, you know, it's amazing. It really is more, more platforms. But, uh, as people know, we are now listened to in 22 different countries. We are downloadable on, um, over 50 different platforms and, uh, online you can find us and listen to, uh, so that's, that's awesome. I also want to, um, say, uh, thank you to all our sponsors. Thank you to our amazing guests. Thank you to my amazing co-hosts, and thank you to my amazing audience. You guys are unbelievable. Um, God bless you all. So let's get to it. You know, the main, the main headline, you know, what's been going on, um, obviously President Trump with the border, yeah, this has been a huge thing. He was just in uh, El Paso, Texas last night. Uh, we are going to get to this, um, but I do, unfortunately, need to introduce my first guest. Um, which is very important. First of all, though, I do want to welcome my co-hosts on the line, lobbyist, activist, and political strategist, Josh Halabate. How are you, buddy? I am fantastic. How are you, Rory? Doing well, man. Good, good, to, ha- good to have you here. Um, let's welcome our, uh, our first guest, though. Uh, I believe we have on the line a um, very smart guy, certified orthopedic surgeon, sports trainer, upper extremity reconstruction expert, and works at MedStar Washington Hospital Center in D.C. Evan Argentar, is that you? Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Well, it's good to have you here. Uh, Looks like you've had quite the resume, uh, quite the – lived quite the life, you know, a bunch of adventures. Uh, You know, since your first time on my show, I do want to, like I do with all the guests, you know, tell us about yourself. Tell us how it all started. You know, tell us, um, you know, your bio, man. My bio, my bio starts at a, at a young age when I was a doctor for Halloween for 10 years in a row. And then eventually when uh, I got to college and realized I wasn't going to be a professional lacrosse player, I got serious and got into medical school and did all my training, mostly on the East Coast at, at Georgetown uh, for both medical school, and then I did my residency in, uh, in orthopedics, and I went on for some specialization in sports medicine, which was, was done in California for a year, which was great, and I was hired back at the place that trained me back at Georgetown. Uh, MedStar is a big hospital system in the D.C. metropolitan area, and I work at the big inner-city hospital in Washington, D.C., where I get to do a lot of sports medicine and a lot of uh, joint replacement and, and level one trauma. And uh, I have a really busy practice, and I take care of all shapes and sizes, colors, and every 
everything in between complicated and simple and pretty happy with where I'm at. Very cool. Very, very cool. So correct me if I'm wrong. You work at the, um, the hospital that's right next to the Capitol, right? It is close to the Capitol. There's not a hospital right there, uh, but it is the yeah. it's the big level one trauma center of Washington, D.C. So all the, the bad injuries that are sustained in, um, in Washington, D.C. basically come to us. So you so you deal with all the politicians and stuff in terms of their care and all that and the athletes, I'm sure. Uh, so you probably get quite a few names in there. Yeah, I used to be, at times in my career, I've been more affiliated with some of the professional sports. I used to be the assistant docs for the yeah, you were Washington sport, you were Nationals. And I, I'm not a sports trainer. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. But I, but I used to be one of the uh, assistant orthopedic surgeons to two of the professional teams in the city. For the politicians and stuff, they they don't go to one place. That, so I take care of politicians but, um, only because of, you know, reputation and whatnot, not because that they necessarily, you know, seek one, one facility, for example, out over the rest. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Josh, go ahead. Yeah. First off, it's hilarious that you dressed up as, as a doctor for Halloween 10 years in a row. That's fantastic. That's probably, that's well, every probably time the best I walk thing into I've my heard. parents' house, there's a big, there's a big picture of me and my brother and I'm dressed up as, and the doctor that my brother was dressed up as a witch, and he ended up becoming a medical malpractice prosecutor. So I think it's kind of, you know, <laughs> follow suit. That's, been, that's fantastic. I, I tell you what, they uh, apparently your, your parents knew how to knew how to teach young. I tell you what, but uh, <laughs> the question I had was, you know, with the area you're in uh, in D.C., you're kind of at the 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 crust of you know everything everything politically happening so i i guess my question uh kind of relating to that is in 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 your specific you know industry how has the government specifically affected you since you know in the time that you've been in practice uh that's a great question um you know, I mean, fortunately for me and my, my type of work, as long as there is gravity, people tend to injure, them, injure themselves here regardless of, you know, um, what politicians are, are, are doing, what policies, you know, at all, all levels of government. I can certainly say more recently when the there was the uh, furlough that I, you know, I, I have an office in Capitol Hill, so I, so I hear and speak to people about things that are non-medical too. And it was interesting to sort of get people's perspective about just the, the time off, um, you know, frustrations that they had um, with, uh, you know, their time off and, and the um, foreseeable future for them. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing. Has it affected me personally, professionally? Not so much. Mm-hmm. I was working in a really busy, you know, inner city hospital. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing patients uh, for all sorts of, you know, Skeletal orthopedic problems that yeah. you're cutting in and out a little bit. The region. Sorry, can you hear me better now? Uh, yeah, yeah, and it oh. sa- it says right here, doc. It says right here, doctor, that you're uh, the go-to physician for most for the most complex orthopedic issues in the nation's capital, and you have some of the biggest clients. It says. Well, I, I, you know, that's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I love, it. I love it. I love it. Confident, right? 
<laughs> yeah, and, you know, there was a big article, and Josh, I'll get right back to you in a second, but there was a big article out, um, and it's been talked about the last week or so, with the o- opioid epidemic. They're now saying that's the leading cause of death. Can you speak a little bit on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I see the, the opioid ep- epidemic just, you know, based in, in my practice. A lot of doctors, in my opinion, yeah. over-prescribe opiates, and, of course, as a surgeon, you know, I'm creating pain with the goal of making people better, but I'm creating situations where people need pain medicines post Um, You know, I, I've read and, and seen all the things that you guys have seen. I mean, nationwide, this is a huge deal. Again, this is all people and, and all demographics of all races and all, you know, all over the place. So, you know, as a doctor, I'm finding, um, you know, that, that you, we need to be as as a as a group of physicians more responsible with how we we monitor and prescribe and educate and, and treat patients to sort of help you know stymie this big problem facing our country. Right, and now correct me if I'm wrong, but it's now it's now it used to be I think car accidents were on there at one point leading the way, but now it's um, it, now it's opioids. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean the statistics are absolutely. Um, it's, a, it's an extremely dangerous problem that for a long time went sort of under unfortunately you know that's not the case but uh, it's it's going right. to be to change and has to happen at multiple levels yeah wow that, Josh go ahead yeah you know speaking of the uh, the opiate you know epidemic that we're having I, I wanted to uh, ask you a question about something else that I believe is an epidemic which is uh, the obesity issue that we're having in this country. And you you probably have a very, uh, you know, interesting angle on it, considering that from from what I'm aware, when you do surgery on someone that is considerably overweight, you have – sometimes you'll have an issue with sewing them back up just because it, it's it, – there's so much – if you go in so deep and you try to come back out and seal it up, sometimes, it, you know, it can be much more difficult uh, talk, talk. I guess about the the how whether or not obesity makes it more difficult and just the general issue. Yeah, sure. So obesity, you know, makes any simple surgery more complicated. That's for sure. I mean, the bigger problem is not you know sort of closing someone like that's always achievable. The bigger problem is um, number one, the comorbidities or you know the other diseases that go with obesity. You know, diabetes, high, high blood pressure, um, cardiac disease, all that stuff. And then the other issue is that when you're over of infection and wound closure issues, you keep, keep cutting out a little bit. Sorry about that. Let me let me change positions here. What I was saying is that the bigger issue with obesity is not is, is really found with the the risks of surgery. So if you're overweight, um, you're more likely to have an infection, which you know, can be disastrous and, and even limb-threatening, and there's a, a bigger chance, a higher chance of having, like, just wound complications. So, like, for example, at my hospital and most hospitals, there are actually BMI restrictions so that uh, you don't, and these are appropriate, so that your patients don't get exposed to risks unjustifiably. Now, well, you know, well, real quick, Roy, I have to to that. You know, it's yeah. very interesting that, and, and we're living in a culture right now that there's a, there's a majority, not a majority, but a huge piece of the country that believes that, you know, being, being overweight in the eyes of a doctor is no problem, even to the extent of where people are calling doctors 
all kinds of names and, you know, and, and they have a negative, a negative light on them because they're telling people you need to lose weight. This is, you know, this is detrimental to your health, but either people, obviously a lot of people don't care and that's just on them, but there's also a movement in this country and around the world that says not only, not only should you not lose the weight, but you should gain more. And what you have right now is not only okay, but um, you know, we should support you in that. Yeah, that, that's a problem because it, you know, um, science doesn't really support that, unfortunately. Um, you know, being overweight for a long period of time, you begin to rust with other problems, like I was talking about before, whether it's cardiovascular disease or diabetes, and those are the silent killers. Um, so, you know, aside from orthopedics, which is you know, I went into orthopedics because generally I find problems and then fix them and make them better. When you get some of these other chronic diseases, uh, people are not so fortunate. There's not always uh, a quick fix or even a fix at all. Well, I mean, and it's a, it's yeah. a huge shame because these people are being sold a lie. It's not even, it's not even bad. You know, it's, a, it's bad to a certain extent where someone, where a doctor tells someone, hey, you're overweight, you need to lose weight. And maybe they have some sort of condition where it's very difficult for them, or maybe they're just not, inter- you know, just not interested. But that's on them. But when you have a movement that's telling people, no, the doctor who went to school for, for you know, to be able to tell you what's wrong with you, he's wrong, and he's some sort of bigot because of it. You, I mean, not only does it put doctors in, you know, at a terrible disadvantage, but it also puts the people at a terrible disadvantage of living you know, to their maximum potential of life and to their full extent of life. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, that that would be a pretty responsible message, um, you know, from, from my viewpoint. I will say, though, that when I talk about obesity, and I, and I speak about it a lot, you know, very honestly and very realistically, um, you know, I, I've found that there are strategies of, of sort of bringing it up in a way where patients don't leave the office and say, man, you know, Dr. A said I was, my problems are because I'm too heavy because that's, you know, not ever my message. But what I do try to educate people is that having extra weight, at least from a, you know, an orthopedic perspective, um, you know, loads the joints like an arthritic hip or an arthritic knee more. So then the goal is to get pain relief in some way and then work on, you know, creating a healthier lifestyle so that people can get more active and lose weight. And then you have a a solution that propagates itself forward. And, and we, uh, you know, in a situation, you know, going back, uh, Josh, do you have any final thoughts on that? No, I mean, I could go all day long, but I don't want to hog the, I don't want to hog all the questions. So I'll wait here a little bit. <laughs> uh, okay. I do want to, um, you know, say regarding the op- opioid crisis, regarding this terrible epidemic in our country, and you've, you've worked with some of the big, you know, biggest athletes, Washington Wizards, Washington Nationals, celebrities, gruesome injuries, some of the worst injuries you can think of. And obviously when people are in that much pain, you know, the, the pills, it, it's almost like that's the only option. And a lot of times that can't even cover up or cure the, the massive amount of pain people are in, so they keep taking more and more. What's your alternative? If you, you know, had to put this together and try to – find ways to stop it and, you know, have it, I mean, I know addiction is a disease and it's something that people struggle with, but what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, the good news is that narcotics are not the only example. You know, today I did uh, right. eight different surgeries today, so I, I, today is my busy day. And all of them 
you get some narcotic, but it, but they're dispensed uh, responsibly. And when I say responsibly, I, preoperatively, all my patients have an expectation of how much pain medicines they're going to get, also what the pain is going to be like and sort of how long the recovery will take. I always think about my experience. I went to Haiti after the earthquake uh, 10 years ago, whenever that was. And, yeah. you know, the people that I were taking care of had, had nothing and had, you know, no expectations that sort of someone from the Western world was going to be able to sort of take care of them and give them, you know, current orthopedic uh, solutions for, you know, devastating problems. And an interesting thing there was that we only had Tylenol and we had IV Tylenol and oral Tylenol. And these people with, you know, really gruesome, horrible stuff. And in a lot of situations, you know, kind of similar injuries to what I take care of now did, did just fine. And the reason why they did fine, I think, is because they, you know, expected that it was going to be uncomfortable. They were appreciative of the care and they were sort of, you know, get over it and move forward. And that's not to say that nobody needs narcotics, you know, in Washington, D.C. or the country. But when you frame what expectations are going to be, I think it helps a lot. The other arm to this is, is being very good at incorporating non-narcotic resources. And so for me, uh, you know, that includes what are called nerve blocks. And so my anesthesia colleagues will numb up the nerves using ultrasound beforehand, and that gives them between one and three days of uh, pain relief, and that decreases narcotic load. Uh, one of the medicines we now use is a medicine called Expiril, which is a, is a long-acting local anesthetic, which basically numbs up the arm or numbs up the leg for, you know, days and, again, really makes patients comfortable such that they don't have to, um, you know, they can decrease the, the amount of narcotics. And then we use strong anti-inflammatories. So we use Tylenol and we use neuromodulatory uh, medicines. And so all of my patients leave the hospital with about five pain medicines and only one of them is narcotic. And that's going to be the lowest quantity out of any of them. So that's my perspective and that's, and that's my goal. And I think, frankly, my patients do better. And, you know, aside from not getting exposed to the risk of narcotics, which are, you know, potentially this gateway drug to really bad stuff. I mean, the reality about narcotics is that they're not a pleasant medicine to take anyways. You get constipated, you get nauseous. It affects your ability to really, you know, uh, push forward with physical therapy, which in my line of work is really critically important. Right. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. Absolutely. Um, we, we do have to, you know, run here in about a minute, uh, but I do want to let Josh get uh, final thoughts. Go ahead, Josh. Thank you. Yeah, I have one more quick question. What is, you know, talking about this issue of what people are being subscribed, do you, do you see any kind of benefits in the future or, um, or harms in the future of the whole idea of marijuana being legalized, potentially maybe using marijuana in place of some of these opioids for pain, or just your general thoughts on the legalization push? Do you think it's a good idea, a bad idea uh, when it comes to being, maybe even being sub subscribed someday? Um, for stuff like this? I don't know. I mean, generally, I think that having more options is a good idea. Um, you know, in medicine, we generally try to subscribe to evidence-based medicine. And uh, when it comes to marijuana as used as a pain medication, um, to my awareness, it's been mostly studied in cancer patients, and I think it's done quite well. That hasn't really been applied for, you know, post-operative pain from like an ACL surgery or a rotator cuff surgery. That being said, I think it probably has a role I think that if you're able to legalize something, as long as you're able to sort of, you know, in a, in a positive way, sort of understand um, its limitations, but as well as its advantages, it can sort of only add 
to, um, you know, a physician's ability to control pain with a sort of multimodal approach of incorporating lots of different things. So I'm personally all, all, all for it as long as it's done in a responsible way. Gotcha. And final, so final you're, thoughts you're, here, Rory. Yeah, go ahead. One second. I, yeah, I just want to say your response to the, the way that you go about telling people that they need to maybe manage their weight a little bit better, I think is fantastic, and I applaud you for it. Appreciate that. So, so you're, let, let me get this straight. You're all for, you think, the legalizing cannabis, um, you know, for everyday use. I mean, you, you are all for that, right? I mean, personally and professionally, it's, it's, not, always, uh, you know, it's not always in line. But I, you know, I think professionally speaking, if there are uh, advantages to that, really it becomes a medication at that point. If there are advantages to that medication that, um, are either not present with other medications or decrease the need for some of these other medications. And, and I'm all for, you know, science and medicine proceeding in that direction responsibly and cautiously. And don't you think, I mean, it, it is a great that, and, it, and it's about time that people are, you know, taking the cannabis industry way more seriously in terms of using it for pain because of the terrible epidemic that pills cause? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that, that awareness uh, of the epidemic that sort of we've in a lot of ways created for ourselves has really fueled, um, you know, at, at least from a medical perspective, has, has fueled the, the THC, which is the active um, chemical in, in marijuana that gives right. um, right. that pain relief. So, yeah, I would agree with that statement 100%. Very good. Okay. Well, uh, I'm, I, it was awesome having you here. Uh, thank you for coming on. Please tell every, Dr. Argentar where everybody can find you. Oh, well, I'm in Washington, D.C. at MedStar Washington Hospital Center, and uh, I'm there every day. The website so, uh, or, you or where come people can find, find you? Uh, the easiest way uh, locally is you just go on ZocDoc.com, which is that, that uh, app or, or website that's on the some of your listeners might be familiar with, but it's sort of like uh, the open table of, of physicians. Very cool, very cool. Well, I'm sure you'll probably be writing a book someday as well with all your uh, adventures and the life you've led. Uh, you've, you've done a lot of amazing things, man. Appreciate that. Well, thank you for having me, and I look forward to joining you guys again. Absolutely, sir. You have a good night. Thank you. Take care. We'll be right back, everybody. 30 seconds. Just going to a quick commercial break. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaysSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. So we are back, everybody. It's been an amazing show so far. I do want to thank our last guest. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, what a life he's led. I do want to welcome uh, my other co-host, uh, Isis Escapee, radical Islam expert, activist, and best-selling author, IQ, IQ Al-Razuli. How are you, my friend? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. 
Excellent. Great, great to have you here. And we also have on the line, uh, new to the show, entrepreneur and vice president of a big company called RoboKillers. Um, everybody, I'm sure, is familiar with it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of scammers going around the Internet uh, these days and calling people like crazy. Um, and just a bunch of different things going on. I mean, there's one fraudulent situation after the other. And uh, Ethan Gar, uh, like I said, is the, uh, the vice president of RoboKillers. This, this is pretty cool to have him on the show for the first time. How are you, Ethan? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's great to have you here. And, uh, man, where do I start? Where do I start? Jesus. Because it's your first time on the show. I mean, I have so many questions. Because, I mean, you work in, in, an, in an industry and in a realm that I think is fascinating. Um, but, you know, your first time on the show, please tell everybody about yourself, how it all started, your adventures, you know, how you got to this point. Sure. So, uh, RoboKiller started um, in 2015 when we won the yeah. FTC's RoboKiller, RoboCalls Humanity Strikes Back competition, which was a competition that the Federal Trade Commission put together to get technologists interested in solving the problem of telemarketing calls. Um, at the time, right. there were probably three, 3 billion robocalls being placed a month, um, and people were pretty, pretty fed up with it. Um, here we are a couple of years later, and we just saw a record number of robocalls in January, 5.42 billion uh, following the government shutdown. So yeah. um, the, pro the problem's grown, and when we started – uh, the telemarketing problem or the, uh, the technologies that we, were, we had available to us were a little bit more limited, but uh, what we, the, the service that we created for that competition was really a good prototype, but as technology advanced in the last couple of years and different things became available on your smartphone that we were able to take advantage of, we were really, really able to deploy a product that could really help people in a really seamless way. So we created this app uh, for Android and iOS that not only blocks these robocalls, but it actually answers those calls in the background. And it answers those calls with robots of our own we call answer bots, which talk back to the spammers and waste their time. So you can actually get some revenge and have a lot of fun um, and actually contribute to solving this problem because every minute that we waste of a scammer's time is a minute that they can't use to reach into your pocket and steal your money, steal your identity, or call somebody else, maybe somebody else's elderly grandmother, and steal her identity or her money. So it's a, it's a labor of love for wow. our team and something we're really proud of. Wow, man. Jeez, this is – wow. I mean, I, where do I start? Okay. Uh, there is so much to get into. I mean, you, you are um, in a lot of involvement with, uh, you know, different – do you, do you have any sort of involvement with, with, like, the FBI or the CIA, like, when some of these cases go too far or get too severe? Well, in the past, our company, Teltech, uh, has had we, – we've definitely been involved with law enforcement, and we've worked at different levels with law enforcement on different cases. So um, from time yeah. to time, it's happened. Um, yeah. But – Essentially, you know, the the government got us into this fight with the with the this competition, um, and right. we definitely try to to be partners in that in that conversation, um, and it's been good. Uh, it gives us the opportunity to talk to really smart people to stay current yeah. on what legislation and enforcement are doing to try to combat the problem, 
but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a problem born of technology and a problem that uh, we're, we're trying to solve with technology. Wow, man, this is, this is very, very impressive. So speak a little bit about the terrorism aspect of it. Uh, how, how has that played out? Have you gotten any crazy things uh, with that? I mean, just any scenarios? Not, not so much directly. I mean, we've definitely heard some people say, you know, we've heard, uh, we've heard some scammers say some horrible things. Uh, they, a lot of them will go right to, uh, right to the, the twin towers and things like that when they want to get under your skin. You know, if you fight, if you, if you fight back with them, if you argue, you know, if you argue, uh, why are they, why are you calling me? Uh, oftentimes right. they go right to, you know, we blew up your towers. We don't, you know, we don't like you people. It's, it can be really ugly. Um, and, uh, you know, it just, it, I think it just fuels our fire. We just, we really want to, um, we really want to solve this problem. At the end of the day, you know, most telemarketing calls are, for most people are just harassment. You know, on average, we're getting 21, 22 a month as Americans. That's a lot. And, you know, some people are getting a lot more. Some people are getting four or five a day. Um, that, that, intrusion on your life is a reason enough for us to fight this fight. Um, it's a, you know, that, that's a problem enough, but it does become a real problem. It does become a dangerous problem when these things escalate. Um, there was a story where a, a scam call uh, to an elderly woman uh, led to her losing her life savings and she committed suicide. That's a pretty horrible, horrible thing to think about. Um, you know, someone trying to, you know, trying to rip you off and it, and it resulting in somebody's death like that. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's not just a, it's not just harassment. It, it does scale up from there and it becomes, uh, you know, it becomes theft and becomes a tragedy at, at points. Yeah. Wow, man, Jesus. I mean, this is, yeah, this is crazy. Uh, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I got three phone calls today from two, you know, credit card and one dude that was, that was, you know, clearly not from this country. You know, other two were robos and another one was a dude, you know, like, uh, so we are, I'm calling and I'm like, dude, get the, I don't, I'm just boop, hang up. But, you know, my biggest thing, my, the, the most annoying part about it is that it used to just be random phone numbers and you kind of were able to figure it out. But now it's from local area codes because they're either – you know, um, they're either using a code where they know the, you know, the area code of the area and calling, or they're, I've had them where they've actually used someone else's number and I get a call late or, you know, or they'd use my number. I get a call from people that are like, hi, you called me. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And they're like, well, I got a call from this number. And I was like, it wasn't me. How are they, you know, first off, what should I do in these, in, in situations where they're calling me? And second off, what, what's the process of where they're almost taking someone else's number and using it? Yeah, I mean, well, my best suggestion for you is to get RoboKiller because you won't get these calls. It'll block them. <laughs> um, but, um, but, yeah. I That's mean, the idea. What you're talking about is, <laughs> <laughs> about is neighbor sleuthing, and it's definitely a common and growing tactic. We've seen it really escalate in the last year and a half, um, and this is a technique where scammers spoof, your, spoof a caller ID that looks local to you. And the reason is very simple. People are hardwired to pick up local calls because we think that it's our child's school calling or the local pharmacy or someone we know. Um, you know, if it's coming from out of state, it looks like it's probably not a, you know, and you don't recognize it. Yeah, you think that's probably a telemarketing call. But if it looks local, it's hard to, to not answer that call. 
Fortunately, we're able to, to block those calls. We use a, techno- a technology called audio fingerprinting. If you've ever held up your phone and said, hey, what song is playing? Um, like Shazam uses that technology. That's audio fingerprinting. And audio fingerprinting is this process where you turn audio into data and then you analyze this data and then you compare one set of data points to another. When you use audio fingerprinting, we can actually do this in real time with, with these neighbor swoop calls and we can determine whether a call is a human or a robot and then make a decision in, in essentially real time whether to send that call on to you or to send it to one of our answer bots. So, um, but it is that neighbor spoofing and spoofing in general is definitely a huge part of the problem, but it's just a tool. Uh, spoofing is, is not new. Um, spoofing is a tool that people use. Some people, it's used legitimately all the time. If you've ever worked in an office that has what's called the PDX phone system, you're, you've probably spoofed your, your phone number. That's what allows a, an office to have one unique phone number that everybody sees when they, when they call it. The spoofing itself is just a tool, but when it's abused, it, you know, it's essentially weaponizing a tool. It's like taking a hammer. Yeah, you can use a hammer to hammer and a nail, or you can use it to hurt somebody. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a real problem. Uh, but fortunately, it's a, it's a problem. You know, that's a, a specific problem that we're able to solve. And, um, but it takes a lot of, you know, a lot of technology to fight these problems. You know, we, we're using audio fingerprinting, like I said. We're using machine learning um, and other advanced data science techniques and user feedback to figure to create an algorithm that understands the difference between an incoming call that's a, uh, you know a threat to you versus not a threat and we, that's what we look at we you know we look at calls as wanted versus unwanted we don't look at it as legal versus illegal there's a lot of political robocalls that you can get that are technically legal uh, the, the government somehow made a lot of these uh, gave, gave themselves a pass on these robocalls for themselves um, but that doesn't mean you want them. And our consumers, our users are coming to us and saying, please solve this problem for us. We don't care. They're not asking us to decide whether a call is legal or illegal. They're saying, send the calls that we want. Don't send the calls we don't want. And that's what we do. I mean, what you're, what you're doing is a vital part of, you know, what the, first off, what this country needs. I mean, it's, you, you guys are pre- providing a service. Um, that not only is needed, but also, I mean, like you're like you were talking about with that story of that lady who committed suicide after her her you know um, life savings were taken. I mean, what you're doing is is potentially saving lives. I was I was curious about if you had any other you know um, not as depressing stories, but maybe a story where you guys like really saved somebody from almost doing something really stupid. Uh, I think we do it all the time. You know, I mean, the, we do it because the calls never get through uh, in the first place. I mean, that's that's the real the real magic of RoboKiller. The answer bots are the icing on the cake. I mean, people love the entertainment value of them, and being able to listen to these calls and get revenge on the scammers um, has a tremendous appeal. But at the end of the day, um, people come to us because they want us to stop the harassment in the first place. So that's you know, you get in the best of both worlds when your phone doesn't ring. 21 extra times a month on average because you're not getting telemarketing calls and you can have that peace of mind that the person who's when when your phone rings it's actually someone you want to talk to and you know you get your phone back you you know you're no longer a victim of your own phone i mean think about it your phone's your most personal device in your life i mean people spend more time with their phone than they do with their spouse um you want that relationship to not be constantly cluttered and full of of harassment and annoyance. So 
um, you know, we, we have a lot of great stories. I mean, there's, you know, we get, we, we get a lot of feedback where people say, you know, this really, this, you know, this really saved me. This has taken such a, 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 a burden off of me by having this product. Um, we see it, you know, we see that in our ratings and reviews. We actually have over a hundred thousand 4.6 star reviews. So we, we've really, we've touched a, a positive nerve with people. Um, but yeah, the, the, the funny stories, uh, you can listen to them on our, on our website. Uh, there's a listen live button. Uh, we call it Robo Radio, where you can listen to these conversations between our answer bots and the telemarketers. And they're hilarious. And we've, had, we've kept telemarketers on the line for 45 minutes thinking that they're talking to a, a human being when they're actually talking to one of our robots. That's fantastic. I, I ha- yeah, I'll have to definitely check that out because I think I could sit there all day and listen to those if I'm being honest. <laughs> and I can only I can yeah, only imagine you know. Very oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I want to I want to ask. Um, Josh, you got something to say? No, no, no. You're good. Okay. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to say, you know, how as t- as time goes on and, and the way technology is evolving, do you see this? You know, and obviously you guys have fascinating technology that can you know, uh, point this stuff out and can uh, obviously fix this problem. But do you see the robocalls as more of an issue as time goes on, or do you think it's decreasing? Well, it's definitely been in- increasing. I mean, the uh, in the last six months of, of 2018, we saw robocalls basically go from 4 billion to over 5 billion calls um, in a very short period of time. Uh, wow. You know, certainly the, the, the political, the heavy political season, uh, drove, you know, drove a lot of, of, of a lot, a lot of calls. Um, the government shutdown closed the do not call registry. And even though most of the calls, the do not call registry blocks are call are, it's a very small percentage of the calls you're going to get. So the do not call registry does what it, it does, what it's supposed to do, but it doesn't do what people think it's going to do. It stops legal robocalls from getting to you. Which is a small fraction of the calls you're getting. When those calls were were when those when the do not call registry was down, you couldn't sign up for it. But you the but legitimate telemarketers couldn't honor it. It just caused more chaos in the marketplace. And then the scammers and spammers took, were opportunistic. They said, "Hey, this is an opportunity. When there's more chaos and more people out of work and more people not getting paychecks, this is the time to make more calls." So they just ratcheted up the volume on the calls. The calls cost them practically nothing. So they have a lot of incentive to just keep making these robocalls. It's very easy, and they funnel you down to the human beings. The, and that's the, the key for us. Our answer box know how to press one or press nine to get to the operator and talk to the human being. Because at the end of the day, we want to we stop the scammers. The, the robocalls are harassing. They annoy us, and they intrude on our lives. But they don't steal from us. It's the, it's the humans behind the telemarketing, behind these robocalls, that are dangerous. They're the ones that we want to get to and we want to waste their time. So the problem has gotten worse and it is, it is a growing problem, but we think we can, we can turn the tide with AnswerBots because the more time we waste, and we wasted 105,000 hours of, of scammers' time last month. So a lot of hours, but there's a tipping point. There's a point where we disrupt their business. Um, and when we get there, um, they'll have to go find something else to do. Um, and some of them will, you know, they'll start ring, ringing your doorbell and then we'll have to come up with an app for that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think the problem is there are 
there are opportunistic people out there who are not who 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 don't have the same moral code that you or I might have, who are willing to in to injure people to to and take to take their money. They're willing to hurt people to to rob people of their their money and their identities. I don't think mm-hmm. that's it. the telephone is just a tool that allows them to do that efficiently. Um, but and they're going to keep looking for new ways to to expose that and take advantage of that. They'll keep doing it as long as there's a market there. Um, so, you know, it, the problem will, will evolve and, you know, we can't rest on our laurels and, and think that, mm-hmm. that the technologies we're using today will solve the problem forever. And that's why, you know, we employ 70 plus smart people who are constantly working to solve this problem and to stay ahead of the scammers. Do you ever do you ever have any issues with um, hackers or anything? Any have you guys ever had to go down that go down that road? Meaning, have we have we had people try to hack our system? Yeah, when they're mad or something. I mean, I think that like that's just a you know that's a, uh, an occupational hazard of being in the technology industry. There's always somebody trying to hack your system, so um, it's it's an important right. part of of a technology business to, to think about that right. and, you know, then be cognizant of it and think about security issues and stay ahead of it. Um, and we do, we, you know, we, we, we have to make very, very thoughtful and uh, uh, intentional choices about the things we do so that we can keep people safe and not perpetuate the problems, uh, perpetuate the problems we're trying to solve. Right. Yeah. And you got, you got all of these, you know, different ways people are, are scamming people and, and, you know, tricking people and they have all these different situations and you, you guys are like the ghostbusters, man. You guys save the day. I mean, you, you guys really uh, are addressing a, a serious issue here. Um, IQ, do you have any thoughts? God, I, God, I want, I, I so want to be Peter Venkman. So you're, you're speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> I want to wear that outfit. I, <laughs> IQ, are you there? Yeah, yeah, of course I'm here. I'm listening. It's very fascinating. Oh, your thoughts? Okay. Look, uh, in Europe, we don't have as much of what you're talking about. Uh, I think they have a lot more technology in America to, to scam people than they have them in Europe. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. It is, um, it is more evolved. Um, here for sure, um, Dr. Bustler, you have any thoughts? Uh, you know, Rory, I, I was just going to say, uh, is is there ever a uh, um, a positive uh, function for some of these robocalls? Um, I know, for instance, from for, from a business standpoint, um, you know, uh, a, a car insurance company uh, says they they can beat some rates. So they just uh, start robocalling and say, look, uh, if you're interested in getting a, a lower uh, car qu- uh, 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 quote on your car insurance, you know, press one and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do that. And it's a fairly inexpensive way for the business to generate leads. You know, even though even if, um, you know, out of uh, uh, 100 robocalls, uh, you only get two or three or people that are interested uh, that's still a relatively inexpensive way to generate some some leads and some business. So I just wonder well, if there's well, any, ever anything positive. To tell you the truth, when I get some of these, I immediately block the number. 
<laughs> so it doesn't come again. They managed to get another number, but still. But is there any positive well, uh, aspect to this? To your question, like to your example of a, uh, a company marketing its insurance services, the question starts there with, is it a legal or, or illegal telemarketing call? Just because I have a, a legitimate business and a legitimate product to sell doesn't mean that I have the right to call you. You only have the right to call me if I've explicitly given you permission to do so. And I need to have the right to revoke that permission. So if you're just randomly calling me, you're violating the law, the laws that govern, govern, govern telephony. Um, so, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Say, so, you, you say, I can't just call somebody randomly. Uh, if I just want to call somebody r- randomly, I, I don't have a right to do that. No, you have to have you have to have permission. You have to have explicit permission from that person for them to call you. How about I mean, if it's somebody I never met and I just called them for the first time, um, you know, how are they going to give me permission? Uh, I'm trying well, to reach Martin, somebody. It, I saw somebody and I said, "Hey, boy, I'd like to call them and find out some information from them or something." Or I don't have a right to do that. It depends what you're trying to do. If it's a, if you're trying to, if you're trying to market to them, then the, the answer is no. You have to, you have to have permission to, to call people. So, huh, uh, never knew that. At the end, so yeah. At the, at the end of the day, there's a lot of a lot of calls that are that are simply violating the, they're violating uh, telephony laws. Um, so every one of these robocalls, every one of these robocalls are illegal. You're saying. No, not necessarily. There, I mean, it's possible. Like if you, you know, if you went to your car dealership, you may have signed a piece of paper when you bought your car that said you, they, that you gave them the right to call you, and that you know it might be buried in the, you know, a lot of times you go to a clothing store, yeah. and, you know, you you sign up for you sign up for something, and you give them you're giving them permission to market to you um, things online. Um, so a lot, um, a lot of you know, but all of, the ones that times, all the ones that come randomly that I don't. Uh, have never had contact with and just come randomly. You're saying they're all illegal. Yeah, I mean, I guess there there might be specific situations where, like, it, yes, with it with some exceptions. For example, political robocalls uh, mostly are covered are are protected. Um, you know, um, there are there are state laws governing political robocalls and how they can be made and how you know uh, specific rules that 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 uh apply to them but um huh. but yeah uh for the most part i mean if you're getting a call from 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 a uh, phony irs agent that call that call on, on just on the fact that they called you is illegal the fact that they're trying to scam you out of money right that makes it yeah I, that <laughs> yeah but i mean if somebody calls me and offers me a, a low rate credit card uh they don't have a right to do that or somebody offers me a deal on, uh, do I want a quote on car insurance? Uh, yeah, they, they don't have a right to do that. Ra- they can't just rent. They can't just auto dial huh. you at, with a robocall. Do, do those yeah. laws do those, those laws vary by state, or are they pretty much consistent? Uh, they're both federal and state laws that, that cover. They're both that, federal that, and that state. Apply. Yeah. Hey, gotcha. e- Ethan, I, I, I do want to. E- Very informative. Ethan, I do want to ask you. Before I before I let you go, Ethan, here in a second, I, I do want to have you explain to us. Uh, you you have an app that basically kills all the scammer calls. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So, like I said, we built this algorithm Robo that powers RoboKiller, and this algorithm uses these different technologies 
to essentially create a dynamic and global block list of numbers. So right now, if you sign up for RoboKiller, you go to the App Store and you download RoboKiller for your iPhone or Android phone, as soon as you sign up and set it up on your phone, we run you through a couple of processes, and now your phone is, prote- is protected from 1.1 million numbers, that, that known scam numbers that, that are trying to attack you. If one of those numbers wow. calls you, we're going to block that call. From, it, it won't ring on your phone. You, all you'll get is a notification from us that says we've blocked the call and we've sent it to, to our answer box. Our answer bots have these conversations with, your, with the scammers. They waste their time. And then in the app, you're going to be able to see a listing of that call. And you can go listen to that call. And in there, we give you some options. Very you can cool. allow or block, you can allow yeah. or block that, that, uh, that number. So if you feel like we got it wrong, um, which rarely happens, but if it did happen, right. you just press the allow button, and now you've whitelisted that number. You can blacklist or right. whitelist any number. But we also we honor your contacts, and we don't download your contacts. We're not trying to invade your privacy, but we ask you for contact permission when you sign up for the app right. because what we want to do is when a call comes in, we want to ask the phone, hey, is this somebody you know? If it's someone you know, we're going to let it through. But if it's someone you don't know, then our algorithm is going to decide whether it's a, a wanted or unwanted call. So we're not just blocking every huh. unknown number. We're blocking numbers huh. that we know are scam calls. Very, huh. very cool. Uh, very Josh, cool. Uh, final thoughts. Got any final thoughts, Josh? Yeah, I mean, first off, the, the, what you're providing is incredibly important, and I appreciate you for it, first off. And second off, uh, I, I think you might have actually gotten a customer tonight from me because this sounds like something I need with all these stupid calls I'm getting. That's awesome. Well, we really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, RoboKiller has a seven-day free trial, um, so it gives you the opportunity to, to see it working, you know, see it working in the, in the wild. You'll see it, you know, an immediate drop in these calls. You'll get to know how the product works. You'll get to play with these answer bots. You can even create your own answer bots, which is a lot of fun. Um, and you can, you know, you can, you can stop this problem for yourself, and you can start helping, helping the world around you because uh, every, every RoboKiller user is part of a community that's stopping these telemarketers from being able to purport their scams. Fantastic. Uh, Josh, go ahead. Uh, I'll be signed up for that trial. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say, I mean, fantastic stuff. I'll definitely be signed up for that trial. That's a, that's a no brainer for me. Awesome. Thanks. Cool. Cool. And and thanks for having us on the show. uh, Yeah. Well, yeah, Ethan, you know, it's really a pleasure having you on and I definitely want to have you back. Uh, Please tell everybody where they can find um, you know, your services, information about you, uh, where they can connect with you or, or you know, whatever you want to uh, promote. Yeah, check us out in the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store um, or at robokiller.com. Sounds good, man. Well, uh, I, I wish you more and more success. I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm, I'm very, uh, just very proud and I'm thankful that we have people like you that are looking out for this big problem that uh, keeps evolving in our country. Yeah, we're fighting the good fight, so thank you. All right, man. Take care, man. Have a good night. You too. Take care. Thanks. Take care. That was fantastic. I um, I do got to go to commercial break, but we're going to be right back, everybody. We've got a huge show. We've got a lot to talk about. Is video part of your strategy for 2019? 
Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind-the-scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back. (laughs) I uh, am so happy uh, with our last guest. I mean, what a uh, great thing he's doing and very creative too and very, uh, very useful and such a, such a need for it. I mean, with, with everybody that's, um, going through these hard times and you've got so many people that are taking these sort of calls seriously because a lot of these robo calls actually uh you know are, are convincing sometimes they can be i mean i you know i don't really fall for them I, I used to a long time ago but uh there are people that uh you know don't know uh just uh certain things uh, you know especially uh people as they get older or younger people i mean there's there's and even naive people i mean there's so many people that buy into it so thank God for people like uh, Ethan. Uh, God bless him, man. Uh, but let's get into it, guys. Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. First of all, let me introduce our next guest, economist, entrepreneur, speaker, writer for Town Hall, Newsmax, LiveZet, and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey, Dr. Michael Bussler. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, it's great to be here. I'm uh, looking forward to some very interesting things we could talk about tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, first of all, Trump was in uh, El Paso, Texas last night. Absolutely a fantastic rally. Uh, There were 8,000 people let inside, and there were 69,000 people that uh, signed up. And you should have saw the crowd outside. It, It was absolutely incredible. And people that didn't get in, we're outside watching on a projection screen. And you go and look at the crowd outside, there's probably 30,000 people outside. I mean, or 40,000 people. I mean, it was, it's absolutely nuts. You know, I know 69,000 signed up, but I don't know if 69,000 actually showed up. But the way it, it looks in the background, it looks like a rock concert. It literally looks like a Michael Jackson setting, like the biggest singer or rock star you can think of. And inside, obviously, you know it's sold out. I mean, we don't even need to talk about inside. But it's just the people that were lining up, uh, just like every Trump rally, days before. I mean, I saw people in line 48 hours prior to, to get in there. Because, I mean, it is Texas. 
uh, you know, one of the biggest states in the union, and you have all all the big Trump supporters there. So it, it doesn't surprise me. But the way you know the the patriotic um, you know personality and and just the the attitude and, and the amazing uh, you know light uh, that our president has shined on all, on all of us and even supporters that are coming uh, to our side for the first time. I mean, this is a movement like never seen before. I mean, no other president in the history of politics, or even anybody for that matter, I'm talking rock stars, athletes, gets these kind of crowd sizes. I mean, there's a reason why Trump, when he was doing his campaign, would sell out college and NFL football stadiums. We're talking uh, one of his events, I I believe he had like 70 or 80,000 people. I think he did the event at University of Alabama, the, the football stadium, uh, but it was it was un, it's unbelievable and uh, you know it, the 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 fact that Democrats think and they they think they can beat him or, or they laugh off his crowd size is absolutely ridiculous. They did the same thing in 2016. You know, do they not have two eyes that work? I mean, what we're seeing right now is literally more than just a president. I mean, people worship Trump. People worship. I, I, I've never, I mean, this guy not only saved our country, but he saved the world. I mean, this is such a huge blessing. And it's, it's, it's policy, you know, it's all about policy. You know, Trump, we've seen him uh, go to both sides. We've seen him, you know, do what's right. Um, you know, obviously the left doesn't have much of an agenda right now, so he hasn't really been siding with them on, on many things. But at least he's trying to work with everybody. And, uh, you know, I want, I want to mention, uh, you know, he did sign an executive order yesterday uh, launching an artificial intelligence initiative, which, I mean, if people really, you know, want to look at that, the big picture, that's huge. Because Trump is focusing on the future of technology. You, we saw him in the speech last week uh, talking about within 10 years trying to get rid, rid of the AIDS, uh, HIV epidemic, trying to, you know, find new cures and new uh, medications for that. I mean, he's taking on issues that matter so much. And I, and I know people may look at this, some people, and say, oh, what's the big deal with that? I mean, a lot of presidents wouldn't even look at this kind of stuff. I mean, Trump is looking at every single category, whether it's technology, whether it's medicine, whether it's, um, the, I mean, it all goes together. I mean, he's, he's all for the American people. I've never seen any, anybody, you know, this uh, hardworking and, and a capable yeah. Uh, of doing you know this many things and and having this much accomplishments, it's like he never stops. Uh, it's it's really unreal. And we just saw job opening hit a record high of 7.3 million in December. The, those numbers just came out today, which are unbelievable. Everybody said you know those numbers were going to go down. Trump Trump is going to fail on this. Blah blah blah. But the total opposite happened. Um, you know we saw today as well uh, President Trump. You know, we saw a deal for the, for the border, uh, a bipartisan deal, but they, they're offering him less money than what they offered him um, the last time when the government was shut down. The last time they offered him $1.7 billion, now they're only offering him $1.3 billion. Uh, obviously, he's not happy about that. Dr. Bustler, I want your thoughts. I mean, there's so much going on, and i got so yeah. much to get to, and we've got a lot to talk about, but uh, your thoughts. Okay, let me. Uh, you said a whole lot of things there. One, you started off know, by, by noting by, by noting how how uh, enthusiastic the crowds were at Trump's speeches, yeah. and that's true. And to go along with that, you may have noticed 
uh, Rasmussen, the latest Rasmussen poll 52%. has Trump's approval rating, right, 52%. That poll is a little, um, I believe, a little more representative of the, pop, of the population it, than some of the other polls because – It was the most accurate uh, like the, during the election cycle, during the 2016 right. election cycle. They called it the most accurate poll. Yeah, um, they they have a, a sample that more truly reflects the the way the population is. So uh, it looks good. Um, also uh, today there was something that very significant uh, happened today. Uh, the the Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, after a two year investigation, yep. no issued a report supported right by both Republicans and every Democrat that said there was absolutely no sign of collusion anywhere. Recall the House released their report, um, but only the Republicans would sign it. The Democrats and the Republicans' report, which was the majority report, reached a similar conclusion, but the Democrats refused to sign it and issued their own uh, report, and that was some time ago. But this is uh, the, the, the Senate... Uh, has seen virtually everything that uh, Mueller has seen, maybe more because they have uh, access to classified information, uh, and they've reached this conclusion. So I think that's uh, that's very significant uh, for for uh, for Trump here. Um, the last yeah, thing you oh, talked about was that yeah. Um, I just want to comment on everything you said. The la- the last thing I you said was the the border wall. Um, the the deal that they've proposed is uh, you're right. Trump is not happy with it. Um, I think what's going to happen, and it's really hard to tell because there's a lot of variables and some things that get tacked on at the end that we don't see yet. But I have a right. feeling what will happen is um, they'll end up uh, signing something. Trump will get his one point three one point four billion. Um, then, um, and then do you, the, the, real quick, a, I want to ask the, if you agree with this. Yeah. I was thinking about this earlier with the, with the wall. Do you predict yeah. that he'll take this money rather than do a shutdown and he'll use this money plus the defense spending um, on the wall? Is that what you're predicting? Uh, yeah, and that's exactly what I would say. The, the shutdown isn't going to benefit anybody, and it's likely to hurt him. Um, so I think what he'll do, he'll take the 1.3. He's got uh, some wiggle room and some other money. He can grab uh, uh, maybe a billion or two from, from here or there. Um, and then he may declare the uh, state of emergency, maybe not right away, um, or he may declare it right away, let the Democrats uh, take him to court. Meanwhile, he's got a couple billion to play with and get the wall most of the way done till this gets, gets through the, uh, the court. But he'd like to move on. There's some much bigger things as a deal with China that's got to get signed by the the end of February, too. Uh, so he'd like to deal with that. So he doesn't need any uh, threat of a shutdown hanging over him. Well, let, and let's not forget, um, there was a report out today. I do. I want to get to the clip of what Trump said earlier today um, about the border wall. But in regards to China, uh, a new report out today said their stock market is the worst in the world right now. They are struggling terribly in China. Yeah, they are. China's in very bad shape. It's hard to tell exactly because uh, we don't know the accuracy of the information that the government provides. But even with that, um, every sign we see is that their economy has slowed way down. There's some indications Mm -hmm. they may even be in a recession right now. 
And for a high-growth economy that's got a ton of debt, they really can't afford a recession. So Trump wanted to put pressure on them. Uh, He is putting a lot of pressure on them. It is bringing them to the table. I just don't know if they can do it in a couple of weeks. So Trump will either – he may extend the the March 1st if it looks like they're they're close to a deal. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, I think that – this is great. I mean, you really look at the big picture here. Uh, we're about to win this thing with China, and this goes all back to what I said, you know, yep. months ago. I mean, they need yep. us more than we need them. They they need us. I mean, they, they've relied on us, and they've got so much of our wealth for so many years. And uh, it's, you know, there's a new sheriff in town. That, that time has stopped. But uh, let's play this quick clip of what Trump said earlier about the uh, border. Oh. come to me that was unpainted. This can only happen at the border. It wasn't me. It was our past geniuses. So uh, I can tell you that, uh, am I happy at first glance? I just got to see it. The answer is no, I'm not. I'm not happy. But am I happy with where we're going? I'm thrilled because we're supplementing things and moving things around and we're doing things that are fantastic and taking from far less really from far less important areas. And uh, the bottom line is we're building a lot of wall. Right now we're building a lot of wall. And you think it's easy? We're building in the face of tremendous obstruction and tremendous opposition from a small group of people. Now, one thing that happened that was, I think, very revealing, we had the biggest and best uh, border agents and experts come up and see the committee. And they said, more than anything else, you need a barrier, you need a wall. And the recommendation was unacceptable to the committee. So that tells you more than anything else. Any I don't think you're going to see a shutdown. I wouldn't want to go to it now. If you did have it, it's a Democrat's fault. And I accepted the first one, and I'm proud of what we've accomplished because people learned during that shutdown all about the problems coming in from the southern border. I accept I've always accepted it. But this one I would never accept if it happens, but I don't think it's gonna happen. But this would be totally on the Democrats. Okay. It's always nice to negotiate a little bit, so you know whatever you get. But I would hope that there won't be a shutdown. I am extremely unhappy with what the Democrats have given us. It's sad. It's sad. They're doing the country no favor. They are hurting our country very badly. Uh, but uh, we certainly don't want to see a shutdown. But you'll be here fairly soon. Uh, the bottom line is on the wall, uh, we're building the wall, and we're using other methods other than this. And in addition to this, we have a lot of things going. A lot of money in this country. And we're using some of that money, a small percentage of that money, to build the wall, which we desperately need. And not at this moment. We have our people over there now. I just got a report. Things are going well with China. Uh, China wants to make a deal very badly. Uh, I want it to be a real deal, not just a uh, deal that makes, you know, cosmetically looks good for a year. We have a chance to really make a a deal, a real deal with China. We've never been in this position before. We've always been the the lame duck, and we're not the lame duck anymore. We've gone up tremendously in 
value as a country and economic value tremendously. Larry, we've got up, what, 11 trillion, 14 trillion, and China's gone down close to 20 trillion since we started this whole stock market in the world. Say China, where's the form of stock market in the world? Has anybody ever heard of Larry Cutler? <laughs> that voice, I hear that voice, and you think of money, right, Larry? <laughs> I mean, we've got we've got so much great stuff going on. Um, Josh, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, specifically, you know, regarding these this China deal, Trump's been doing a very good job so far with using what we have to negotiate and putting China in a difficult position, which is something that you know, even as far back as Bill Clinton wasn't able to do. Clinton wasn't able to do it. Uh, George Bush wasn't able to do it. And Obama certainly wasn't able to do it. So we're, we're in a complete different place. You know, normally in the, in the past what we've had, we were put in positions where we had no negotiating power. Even, though, even if we did, we didn't use it. And we let China basically set the terms. Well, now Trump has, has flipped the way that we're dealing. We, he, he's saying that, well, hold on. We have just as much, to, if not more, to bring to the table here than you do. We are going to set the terms. We're not going to let you just walk all over us like past administration. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I hear, I hear you. Um, you know, D- D- Dr. Bustler, um, I'm going to get to you, uh, but IQ, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are always with uh, Donald Trump. He's amazing. As you said, he literally saved Western civilization. I agree with you 100%. But the, the worst problems that you have now are internal in the United States of America, especially in the Congress. The, as far as I'm concerned, as an outsider looking in, besides the border issue, which is a number one issue, you have the Muslim traitors in the, in the House, the two who were elected by brain-dead Americans, the one who says she is a Palestinian and the other one from Somalia, they swore allegiance to the United States of America on the Quran, the nemesis of the American Constitution. Now tell me, I can't understand. There are 338 million Americans. Not one of you stood up and said, this is illegal. This is against the Constitution. Not one. Could you explain that to me, please? No, I I, I hear you. Um, you know, and you're oh, Rory. You're, do you mind if I uh, do you mind if I elaborate? Yeah, go on that? go ahead, Josh. And and Al, I, IQ, you you know, you're an ISIS escapee. So and you know, you you've written books about the Middle East. You know all about it. Um, you know, radical Islam is is something that you uh, strongly um, uh, you're an expert at. So uh, yeah, go ahead, Josh. You know, I just wanted to add on to what you said, IQ, because here's the deal. 
especially, and her name escapes me. What's the name of the one from Somalia? I can't remember her name. Um, I don't know if anybody nope. remembers it. But Are you talking about the listen. one that was using anti-Semitic remarks? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She is a straight Omar, up Omar, Omar, the, mu- the Muslim. Yeah, Omar, yeah. She, not, not only is she Muslim, because there are Muslims that are quote-unquote weak Muslims that don't do what the Quran tells them to do. She's or radical. Don't think necessarily the way. She's radical, not only to the extent of being a Muslim, a, a Muslim, but she just she explicitly hates Jews. The stuff that she said, she tweeted over, I think it was over the weekend, is so unacceptable to an extreme level that it, it is, it is, she should be 100% impeached. And definitely, the, the worst part is she's on the foreign affairs committee still nancy pelosi has not taken her off how the hell can she be and, on the foreign king, affairs committee steve and king she hates a huge group way of people less serious steve king did something way less serious and they took him off uh the committee and he's a republican Absolutely. so it's such a double standard it's and and you know what i know steve king personally i've worked with him in dc many a time what he said, he didn't yeah. even mean this. I talked to him about it specifically. He didn't even mean the way that they twisted it. And now, obviously, he was put in a difficult situation, and what happened happened. But, I mean, listen, and, uh, to the extent of where Democrats were saying, well, we need to sit down and, and have a talk with, with Omar because, you know, she's new and she just needs, a, she needs to, um, you know, get some coaching on how to uh, uh, approach um, dealing with, this, um, this Jewish organization that was giving money to politicians and, quote-unquote, according to her, you know, buying uh, the Jewish sentiment uh, from, from the Republican side. What in the hell? You, she literally <laughs> said, I hate to hog up the, the airtime here, and I, IQ, I know you're going to have a response to this, but she literally said that the only reason that there are people supporting Israel currently, and especially with the the capital being named of Jerusalem. The only reason is because there's this Jewish organization that first off doesn't give that much money to politics, but it only because they were giving money to Republicans. That was the only reason. Absolutely absurd. She should be removed from office and she damn well shouldn't be on that foreign affairs committee. Gentlemen, please remember something. It's nothing to do with the Jews. The reason she hates Jews is because Quran instructs her to hate Jews. But she is not only anti-Jewish, she is anti-infidel. Who is infidel? Anybody who is not a Muslim. She swore on the Quran, she didn't swear on the Bible. And the Quran is the nemesis of the Bible. The Quran is the opposite of what the Constitution of the United States is all about. What I'm talking to you about is not hate speech. I'm talking to you about legality. She swore on the Quran. The Quran is Sharia-oriented. She is wearing the hijab. She is a perfect Muslima, as you said. She follows the Quran. Then she should not have been elected to the to Congress, uh, to the House, or to anywhere else. This is not anti-Islam. This is Islam. You call it radical. There is no such thing as a radical Muslim. Please remember. There right. are no shades right. in Islam. Who said so? Ask Erdogan of uh, Turkey. Three, no, four years ago, he told publicly 
the, peop- the leaders of the European Union. What the hell are you talking about? Shades of Islam, moderate Muslim, radical Muslim. A Muslim is a Muslim. I repeat the same question to you guys. Did you ever hear about or read about a moderate Nazi or a moderate communist, extremist communist or extremist Nazi? Why only with Islam? Because the news media put it. But the news media is corrupt. I've been saying for 12 years that there were enemies of the American people and the enemy of the uh, European people are the news media. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm talking about You're le- legal terms. Right. You- she shouldn't be, yeah, you- these two women should not have been elected. And although they have been elected, they should be removed because they swore on the Quran. Full stop. Thank you. Very, very well said, IQ. I, uh, wow. Wow. I, yeah, I, you're absolutely right. I'm going to let Josh respond because Josh wanted to, was the one to ask you that. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, and, you know, here's the way I feel about it. They were legally elected, and that is what it is. But here's, here's the bottom line. They should be given an option to swear on the Bible, the actual Bible, not the Koran, not a quote-unquote religious book. They should, be, they should be given the option to swear on the Bible, or they should be removed from office. I absolutely respect people's religious, you know, religious, religious options in this country that we have. But like IQ just said, the Koran goes specifically against the American Constitution and what America stands for. But if they, you see, the problem they have, even if you offer them to go and swear on the Bible, as far as they're concerned, there's another item that Americans don't understand. From the point of view of Islam, the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament have been corrupted You don't have a religion. You are infidels. You are inferior to Islam. Why do I need to repeat these things for the last 30 years and and nobody in power is understanding me? Why? And yet it's crystal clear in the scripture of Islam. It's crystal clear. I'm not inciting people. The Quran incites Muslims to hate non-Muslims. There are 106 verses in the Quran. Forget about the Hadith, which are traditions. 106 verses in the Quran recited by Muslims, every single mosque in every country on earth, to hate, to subjugate, to humiliate, to rape and plunder and enslave non-Muslims. So that's what they swore allegiance to. So what are we discussing? We shouldn't be splitting hairs. You're right. They were elected legally, 100% agreed. But they should not be allowed to be in Congress. They should be removed. You know, uh, IQ, um, if if we accept that view uh, about Muslims, um, uh, are you saying that uh, we, we can't uh, allow Muslims uh, – uh, to be become part of uh, become U.S. citizens and uh, become part of society and assimilate into society. Um, you that show won't, me how much assimilated in any society, please, uh, with all due respect. Show me Muslims who mm-hmm. can assimilate in any society which is not Muslim. Please show me. Look at what's happening mm-hmm. in in Europe. Look what happened yeah. in Germany. Germany had Muslims 
for the last 35, 40 years. Their allegiance, the Turkish ones, are to Turkey, not to Germany. There are millions of Muslims in France. Their allegiance is not to France, but to the country of origin, like Tunisia, like Morocco, like Algeria. Muslims cannot ever integrate or assimilate. I repeat this again and again, but it's, you see, in the Judeo-Christian tradition, we are, people are not used to hear these things because they honestly yeah. believe that religion teaches good things. But Islam right. is not a religion. Their God, Allah, is not the same as the God of the Bible. So how can you call it a religion? I want to understand that. By the way, something that the whole media completely ignored. Pope Francis, on the 4th of February, signed a document with the leader, Al-Tayyib, the head, now you would call him the Pope of Islam, of Sunni Islam, of the Azhar University, to talk about peace and reconciliation with Islam. I've never heard or read such bullcrap in all of my life. <laughs> the same Al-Tayyib, when he's not talking to you in public, to the European and American people, in the Arabic language, he denigrates Christianity, he insults Christianity. Forget about the Jews. The Jews are what, 15 million. We talk about 2,000 million Christians. He insults them and he calls them beasts in the Arabic language. But nobody in the media says anything. Nobody. Your politicians don't say anything. They're just talking about the Trump and Russia. Trump and Russia. You have worse yes. problems than Trump and Russia, and that collusion has been found to be corrupt anyway. Look, I'm the outsider. I'd like to add. I'd like to add one thing, uh, IQ, that that makes a little sense. There's a large community of uh, Muslims that settled in Minnesota, and they did not assimilate into the community, and they really created their own kind of uh, place where they live. That's where that Omar was elected from. Correct. The one that's in office now. Yes. Yeah. They were brought in by the corrupt. Muslim leader called Obama, it was under his rule that they brought them into Minnesota. By the way, you have also Muslims in Michigan and Detroit. Yeah. The same problem, exactly the same problem. In France, there are 35 major cities where there are areas that cannot, a French person cannot walk in yeah. England, in the Midlands. British London. Cannot, yes. Yeah, the mayor so of London. Disgusting. I mean, they tell you in Arabic, they tell you in English, you read the Quran, all you have I've said it a million times. There are 114 chapters in the Quran. Don't waste your time. You read only eight mm. chapters, chapter two to chapter nine inclusive. Don't buy the Quran. Google it. Don't waste your money. Right. And, and IQ, after you're reading I... these, sorry, go on. Oh, keep going. Sorry. Continue what you're saying. I want no, to no, I'm because, ask you something about the well, border. I'm simplifying life for you guys. I'm not only you, for the listeners. Google Quran, read chapters 2 to chapter 9, and if you come to any conclusion opposite to mine, you should be put in a mental asylum. <laughs> I like that. And, you know, it actually is, you know, true and real what you're saying, IQ, you know, no part of the Quran is good. I mean, it's all evil, 
you know, the ideology. And the sooner we realize that, uh, the better. I mean, I'm not, you know, there are, I've met some nice Muslims walking on the street, but at the end of the day, their ideology is all the same, right, IQ? Yes, but you see, you keep forgetting. When Muslims are 3 to 5%, no problem. When they become 7 to 8%, there is a problem, they want Sharia. You already have Sharia uh, judges in America, and, because, and, and uh, some states are allowing it. You know, Islam is like the Ebola, uh, like HIV, literally like AIDS. You are inspecting your body. This is not racism. You've got to understand, mm. Islam is not a race. Islam is a right. belief system. Let's get this straight. Because Muslims, they can be of any color, of any race, in every, every nationality. This is not a race. We are discussing Islam. Islam is a right. cult belief system. I am discussing right. with you a cult belief system, not individuals. Individuals, you have very, very nice Muslims, fantastic people. Yes. I remember, yeah. I come from Iraq, by the way, as you know. When there was yeah. uh, an attack against Christians and Jews by the authorities, instigated by authorities, some neighbors of Christians and Jews helped Christians and Jews. But there were one per 10,000. The majority turned against the Christians and Jews of Iraq. In 2003, the Christians of Iraq were 1.3 million, one of the oldest continuous Christian communities on earth. We don't have less, we have less than 200,000 today. In, from 2000, I mean, 15 years, 1,000 years, almost 1,000 years of history was obliterated, completely obliterated. And nobody says anything. The Pope didn't say anything. The Catholic, the Catholic Church didn't say anything. The Anglican Church didn't say The Presbyterians don't say anything. Nobody says anything. But if you slap a Muslim, yeah. the news media is there for 24 hours. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's you know, and, and you look at the streets in London and you look at some of these other countries, how Muslims have taken over, and it's absolutely mind-blowing and insanity. And this is one of the main reasons we need to protect our border because absolutely. these people from the Middle East – they get in from the southern border. You know, it's not just Hispanics coming across or, or Hondurans. It's people from the Middle East as well. Uh, you have terrorists coming over. There's no question about it. By the way, the terrorists are coming over also from Canada now. Yeah. Yep. Because we know, are not we know that, Yeah, because we know Canada uh, is very lenient uh, with um, – I mean, they, there was a whole article how they were – inviting ISIS fighters back into the everyday life in Canada, Trudeau signed a bill that was so radical and people were going crazy uh, that he was enabling terrorism. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that, IQ. That was like a year and a half ago, I, I think. Of course I heard about it. Yes, Trudeau is a piece of garbage. Trudeau is the white type <laughs> of Obama. Obama was the black type. Trudeau is the white type. Clueless, <laughs> stupid yeah. people and dangerous to their country. Extremely dangerous to I, their country. I hear you. I hear you, man. I, I, I stay on the line, IQ. I do want to introduce our next guest: um, freedom fighter, entrepreneur, speaker, and popular talk show host Will Johnson. How are you, my friend? I'm, I'm loving this conversation. 
please chime in. Go ahead. Omar, she does need to go. And the gentleman is correct. The Quran even calls Muslims to lie. So if they were to put their hand on the Bible and swear on the Bible, they are called to lie. So why would we even believe them that they're going that what they're doing just because they put their hand on the Bible that they're actually going to assimilate and comply to the US Constitution? It's not going to happen. Now, many Muslim friends in the past that I've even gone out into bars with, had drinks with, you know, but come to find out at the end of the day, there's still that ideology that you either comply with them or you don't at all. And they don't, you know, they don't want to do anything. They don't have anything really to do with Christianity. And the gentleman is so on point. I'm just, I'm, I'm at awe and I'm amazed that um, he's speaking out the way that he is. And I love every bit of it. God bless you. Thank you. I spent 30 years of my life trying to teach people. I don't make money out of it. I pay money to be heard. Can you believe this? Just to teach people about Islam. I come from Iraq. I grew up in Iraq. I know the Quran inside out. I know the Hadith inside out. And I have one and a half million, have had one and a half million dollars worth of challenges for the last 10 years for anybody, Muslim or non-Muslim, to prove anything, literally anything that I say is either wrong or untrue. So far, I haven't lost a dime, and, and, and I have not had anybody to go against me. The fact how you brought up the point talking about, have you ever heard of an extremist Nazi? Have you ever heard of these extremist different groups? No, you haven't. But they'll say extremist Muslims. You know what? And you're absolutely right. It's just Muslim. It's the ideology. It's just one Muslim. It's not the extremists or the the crazy. It's just one. You're absolutely right. Because what 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 really what really confirms that is because when you have people now, people will act crazy no matter what nationality, what culture, what belief system you have. You got people act crazy across the spectrum. But when you have people that's acting out like this and they call themselves Muslims, and then you have other Muslims that are silent to it, they're essentially complying to it because Absolutely. they, fear, you know, for they it, fear what's going on. With, with all your respect, sorry to interrupt you, but because you said the word silence. 1,400 years ago, Muhammad said, silence means consent. Please try to understand what I'm talking about. Yes. 1,400 oh, yes. years ago... Muhammad said, silence means consent. That means the reason why Muslims never said in demonstrations, since 9-11, there was never a demonstration by Muslims. Let's say 100,000, 20,000, 30,000 saying, not in our name, not once. Not once in Europe and not once in America. Why not? Because they agree. ISIS is not an anomaly. ISIS is not radical. ISIS is not extremist. In fact, ISIS is Islam. And a half million dollars on your show, a half million dollars now, I challenge anybody to prove me wrong. Half a million dollars. ISIS is Islam. 100%. Michigan. That's I went to Michigan. Sorry, go on. I went to Michigan. And I purposely went to the largest mosque in, in Northern America. And I talked to the imam. 
he actually allowed me to come in. And I went in and I talked to him. And he was sitting there telling me that, you know, Islam is peace. It's all peace. And I asked him directly, so what does it mean? And maybe you can tell me. What does it mean when it says in the Quran to kill the infidel where they are? He <laughs> what did he say? I, straight up, I, I asked him that in the mosque. Yeah. And he just looked at me, and then all of a sudden he got a phone call, and he could not talk ah, to me anymore. Thank you very much. That's it. First of all, the word Islam doesn't mean peace, never meant peace, because Islam is rooted in the verb aslama, means submission. Submission to what? To the will of what? One God. Which God? Allah. And Allah is most certainly and assuredly not the same as the God of the Bible. So what do we have? They call it a religion. They call it Abrahamic religion. It has nothing to do with Abraham. Why? Because according to the Quran, give you a simple example, Jesus did not die on the cross. Well, let me ask any Christian listening. If Jesus did not die on the cross, there is no Christianity. Because without death and resurrection, there is no Christianity. So with one verse in the Quran, Christianity is eliminated. So tell me, how is it possible that Allah is the same as the God of the Bible and the New Testament when he doesn't know that Jesus actually died on the cross and was resurrected three days later? Tell me, please. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, the, the, this idea that a lot of people push, and this, this is also something that the, the fake news media has been pushing, like you just said, that, that, uh, that, 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 that the God of the Bible, the Christian God, is the same of, as the God of, you know, Islam, as the God of Hinduism, as the God of Buddhism. Well, the, the problem with that is, though, the Christianity is the only, first off, is the only God that is, for, is forgiving to that extent. And also, like you just said, with the idea that Jesus didn't die on a cross, because Muhammad was quoted in saying that that was too demeaning. That didn't happen because that was too demeaning of someone who was a prophet. First off, that was right. their quote-unquote excuse. Absolutely right. But you, you, I mean, you that, started the subject, no question. That's exactly what he said. As far as Muhammad was concerned, uh, prophets are not executed or murdered. By the way, just to make sure you understand something, nothing yes. in the Quran was revealed to Muhammad by a God called Allah or an angel called Gabriel. Why? Because every letter, every word, every verse, ayah, every chapter, surah in the Quran are the products of Muhammad's imagination, the secretions of his warped mind, but very cleverly projected into the mouth of Allah and Gabriel to give them the aura of sanctity and divinity. And again, could you find somebody anywhere in the world who can prove me wrong? I promise you, you can't. Not because well, I very so, well. let, let me ask you a question. So what does this say when, because I've, I've t- had conversations with Muslims, and they say they believe in the God of Abraham. <laughs> yes, I know. They believe in the God of Abraham. What I'm saying, That's right? what they say. But the God of Abraham yeah. is not Allah. They tell you that Allah is the God of Abraham. Look, in every Quran. Let me ask you this. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. If let's let's say I'm Muslim and I can't speak any other language than than the native language, which is which is what Arabic, correct? 
can't speak anything but Arabic. And if I become, let's say I'm a Muslim and I find out the truth and I become a Christian, but I still can't speak anything but Arabic, how do I call out the name of God? Well, if you are a Christian, Jesus is your God. If you are a Jew, if I if I don't know if I don't know the if I don't know the language the English Jesus saying Jesus because that's in English. How do I say uh, Jesus and how do I say God in Arabic? God in Arabic is Ilah, not Allah. Ilah, I L A H. Allah is the name of an Ilah. Allah is the name of a God because people don't. People are dumb. Most people are dumb. Why? They don't bother to read or study. Before Muhammad, before Muhammad, who was Allah? For centuries before Muhammad, Allah was the name of the supreme pagan god of Arabia among 360 other gods and goddesses. Don't take my word for it. It's in the history of the Arabs. Before Islam, Allah existed. Son of Muhammad was called Abd Allah. Abd Allah means what? The slave of Allah. So what are we discussing? All we are saying to you is Muhammad metamorphosed the god yep. of Arabia, the pagan rock god of Arabia, into the god of the Bible, and he didn't succeed. He succeeded we, with one point five billion Muslims. And 500 million non-Muslims who are stupid. But if you want to read the subject, you can't. I mean, they can't win. It's impossible. You show me an uh, imam. You show me an imam. Look, I challenge CARE, C-A-I-R, Council of American Islamic Relations, for the last 12 years to find somebody to debate me. Not once. Right. Why do I say well, that? Because they... Because they can't. They I, can't I do want. I do want to finish up. I do want to finish up on this segment, uh, this topic. But uh, continue though, IQ, and then I'll get some final questions, and then we'll move on to the next topic. Anytime. No, finish, IQ. Go ahead. No, no, I, I finished. Really, the, the proof of the pudding is I have not had anybody debate me. I've not had anybody take a, a dime from one and a half million dollars worth of challenges. That, right. that means I prove my point, but yet people still yep. don't believe what I'm telling them. Yep. Back to you. Uh, Josh, go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, and you know, IQ, tell me if I'm wrong in what I'm about to say, but from what I've studied about the, the start of Islam, in the area that quick. Muhammad was, it, it was, a, yeah, I'll go quick. It was surrounded by all, a lot of different religions, Christians, Jews, but, you know, Hindus. And what he did was he tried to create a religion that, he took pieces from a little bit of everything because he wanted to appease all the areas. And the thing that the Christians right. and Jews did was they rejected him because they're like, um, no, this is not the God that we believe in. You've created an abomination. And that's one of the uh, – from what I've studied is that he added stuff after they rejected him that was all the hateful stuff because he wanted to create a religion where he was so powerful <laughs> – but they didn't go along with it, and, they, and because of that, he put in all this hateful rhetoric because they wouldn't go along with his lies. God bless you. You said it in a nutshell. Absolutely wow. right. Okay. You said it in a nutshell. That's exactly Very what good. happened. 
That's exactly what happens. This is exactly what Islam is all about. Hate, war, destruction. Look, I have a challenge worth half a million dollars to name 10 Muslims, only 10 Muslims, in the last 559 years who have contributed anything to the advancement and betterment of humanity in any field out of 2,000 million. It can't be done. Well, well said. Um, let's, uh, let's go to a quick 30-second break, and we're going to come right back. We've got a lot more to talk about. Everybody stay put. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. All righty. We are back. Um, I, I, do, I do have some things to, to announce real quick. That I, I want to make sure I get through um, everything, all the topics. Um, this whole... This whole Jeff Bezos thing is driving me nuts. You know, he was blaming Trump for the last week uh, for the whole National Enquirer incident, saying Trump uh, is behind all this. But we just saw today a new report came out, and I, I knew Bezos was just trying to point the finger, and, and Trump had nothing to do with it. And I was right. Uh, it came out today that the, the girl he uh, had an affair with uh, had access to the text messages and she is most likely responsible because she was showing them to friends and showing them to different people. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's it's very easy how those things can get out. I mean, it's, you know, he's, he does, he's not very smart. To being the richest guy in the world, no prenup, not very slick guy. I mean, the guy, you know, he's, and he's, he's really scary looking too, man. When you look at that guy, looks like somebody from a different planet. That he looks at you with that eye like he's going like, to, like, hurt you or something. Like, the guy's so overly intense. Um, but yeah, I, Dr. Bustler, have you been following this at all? Yeah, it's a very, uh, interesting thing. I mean, uh, you know, Bezos, uh, being, uh, as wealthy as he is, he is the richest man in the world. He does own the new, uh, the, uh, Washington post. Um, and he yeah. kind of seems like he's a little bit invincible. Uh, I think that's the way right. he feels. And he sort of, uh, flaunted some things and, uh, look, once you put, pictures like that out over the internet. I mean, look at what happened right. to Anthony Weiner when he put pictures like that. Um, you, you know, so once they get out on, on the internet, uh, you know, even if you're only texting them to somebody, they're, you know, they're likely to get shown somewhere around and trouble can come up. Um, I don't know the arrangement he had uh, with the uh, National Enquirer, what exactly they said. And there's some question of the legality and, you know, whether that was uh, uh, some kind of blackmail or not. Um, but, you know, Bezos did what he did, and uh, he, he's in a position that he's in, and uh, we'll just have to let that play out. Yeah, uh, hi. Uh, you know, it's interesting how the media, you know, they were bashing him for the way he paid his workers, you know, months ago. But now they're on his side because, you know, they want to use the narrative that they think Trump's behind this. Um, right. which is sick, but, you know, and, you know, obviously the truth came out today that, uh, it pretty much looks like the girlfriend is responsible, the, the mistress. Um, 
what do you think about this whole thing, Will? You following it? I was. I've been following it a little bit. You know, they're trying to. It's the way I've been following. It, I watch CNN yeah. to see what they're going to say about it. And of course, right. they're on the billionaire side, mainly because right. of the the Washington Post, right? Yeah. Yeah. They don't. They don't yeah. like Trump. So of course yeah. they're going to be with yeah. him. And so yeah. So their their angle is that they're trying to you know they're trying to bring a uh, try to make it look like that the National Enquirer was trying to blackmail them and this and that. Right. Well, he opened up an investigation on the National Enquirer trying to figure out how they got the text message. Actually, he should be looking at himself. If he would have never sent yeah. them, you wouldn't have to worry about it. I mean, go right. go where the source the, is. He is the source. So he already knows the answer to what he's looking for. He just doesn't like the fact that they have them, and he's trying to suppress it. Right, yeah. and he's a technology expert. I mean, this guy, you know, he knows it all. You would think uh, he would think twice before sending pictures of his of his schlong uh, to females, <laughs> uh, you know, or any, you know, this sort of thing. I mean, it's. It's like wow, dude! Like you're the richest guy in the world. Are you? Are you? You have dumb written on your forehead. It's. I, I just. I, I can't fathom this situation. Like it's mind blowing. And the fact that you know, like you said, Doctor Bustler, I believe you. I believe you're right. You know, he thinks he's invincible. You know, because if, if when you have all of that in your life, like all that money, all that power, I would watch every goddamn step. I mean, rather than play reckless. And what he's been doing. I mean, it's mind blowing. I, you know, I, when, I, when I heard that he was sending these pictures to the woman he was having an affair with, and he had all this trust in her, are you joking? I mean, come on, dude. You're, you know, it's like she's she's using you for one thing. It, it ain't it ain't your looks, and it ain't your, well. I don't know if it's your ding dong <laughs> Bezos. I haven't seen it, but uh, you know, I it, it's just crazy. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me, man. Uh, it, it's mind blowing. Yeah, I think they actually they found out it was the the girl's brother that had copies of the uh, text and the yeah. pictures, and it was him that uh, <laughs> released it. Um, so well, that's how yeah, that's I, how I it know, got I out. Know. And yet, uh, I, was, I was just going to say, you know, with uh, Bezos owns the Washington Post. He he owns yeah. the newspaper by himself, uh, and I don't know if you read anything from the Washington Post. But all of the uh, op-ed, the opinion writers, bash Trump constantly. Uh, out of all they have, they probably have 10 or 15 that write uh, columns either for the newspaper or their website. And all but one or two uh, just bash Trump constantly. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, Bezos has shaped that newspaper into something that's just going to constantly bash Trump. And anytime he gets yeah. a chance to do that, he's going to do that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and uh, you know it's it's crazy. It it really is, and I uh, I do I we are on a I do want to move on to topics so though. Just say a few things. Uh, Mexican drug lord El Chapo was found guilty today. Uh, he's done. I mean, he's done it. Uh, providing he doesn't, uh, you know, as long as he doesn't escape. Obviously, I mean, you know, he does have those connections, and he has escaped many times from uh, from prison. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know that. That right there, you know, is really uh, a big thing. Um, and Ted Cruz suggested, uh, why don't we take some of the money seized 
from El Chapo and his gang uh, to pay for the border wall or, or some of their yeah. assets. And I don't think that's a bad idea, but I'm wondering, are, are you, you know, I'm wondering if that's actually a real possibility, it, it, you know, and uh, where are these assets and where is the money? I mean, is it all hidden? Is it all, you know, tucked away? I mean, these are questions that uh, I'm curious of. Um, you know, and there's yeah. the, 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 Grant, the Grammys last night, uh, no improvement, or, or the other night, the Sunday night, the w- worst, like, one, like record high in, in terms of worst ratings. Like they're, they're sinking more and more every year. Uh, it was worse than last year, the ratings. Um, and you have Michelle Obama and you have politics, liberal left-wing ideology coming into the picture, which totally ruins their brand. And, you know, so many Americans, majority, have woken up to the corruption of the Obamas. And, you know, it just goes to show Hollywood is so out of touch. I mean, they just keep making more and more fool, fools out of themselves. And I tell you, when I look at Michelle Obama, that looks like a linebacker. That is not a born woman. <laughs> that is an NFL player. You look at that picture of her on the stage, it looks like Bigfoot over, like, oh, like literally, this looks like Bigfoot. Like, you look at the other girls next to her, and this woman has the shoulders of a goddamn. I mean, it, 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 Jesus Christ! I'm like, Rory, what am I me, watching? Let me tell you, Rory. I gotta say, yeah. when they, I watched the video. I watched the video, the whole thing of Michelle Obama talking and then coming out. When the, <laughs> if you're watching the video, yeah. they say, you know, uh, Alicia Keys goes, "Let me bring out my sisters," and the <laughs> and the, the curtain goes up, and there's four women there, and there's. Three of them that look like women, and then there's one that literally, like, I mean, I, I try to shy away from the whole, you know, uh, Michelle Obama is actually a man thing. Like, but I, I got to be honest. My goodness, that I don't know what that was, but I, I'm having a hard time believing that as a woman because I saw three women up there and a fourth, a shadow of something. And I mean, here's the deal: the fact that she was there at all is ridiculous. I know she's, you know. Yeah. Up, 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 she's the you know the former first lady, so she's a, a you know a big deal. But at the same time, right. like, what the hell does she have to do with music? Let's give me a break. Right. It, it just it goes more and more into the Democrats have no message. I mean, they have no logical message. You know that they think that you know this helps their situation, but all it does is hurt them. You know, with voters. I mean, this isn't you know Hollywood. People have woken up to the to the phoniness of Hollywood, especially after the 2016 election. You know, we saw, uh, you know, their true colors and how they thought of Trump supporters. And uh, it's sickening. It really is. And, uh, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, move on just a little bit, but uh, House Democrats today, they announced, or that this was yesterday, actually the article, but they're planning to vote on criminalizing private gun sales uh, this week. I don't think it's going to get passed, but that's another one of those things where, their agenda is pure communism. They don't, they don't have one thing that's constructive on their agenda that is going to be constru- helpful or uh, you know, beneficial for voters. They have nothing to offer. I mean, this is, what they are doing with their agenda is pure control. That's what they want. They don't want to help. They don't want to give American people any sort of satisfaction or freedom. They want to be the thought police. They want to have ownership over you. It's all about control. It really is. And it's sad. It's sick. It really is sick stuff. And it goes into the whole um, Islam thing where we have to basically accept them, like the radicalization of them. And we can't insult them. Otherwise, it's a hate crime and everybody goes crazy. Like, this is what the left does. Like, they're bringing more and more problems into our country and they're adding them 
more problems in our country every day. It's just sick. Um, you know, today, and, and Will, I want to get your thoughts on this. You live there. Uh, the city council resolution formally declares Los Angeles a sanctuary city. Oh, my God, man. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, California you know, might as well make it its own country. You know, it's so sickening. And now we have Nancy Pelosi's nephew trying to run the yeah. state of California more and more into the dirt. He just said that he's going to pull away troops from the border that's protecting the American people. So who is he actually yep. working for? Is he working for Al Chapo? I mean, because it right. seems like, oh, now all of a sudden, you know, think about it. Think yeah. about the timing of this. You know, he moves the borders. He removes the soldiers from the border. Al Chapo gets convicted. I guarantee that Al Chapo is still running his organization with inside the prison. He will do it from until he dies. He's going to be running it. Yeah. He probably has Gavin Newsom yep. under his belt as well. You can't. Yeah. If Trump puts up a wall to stop all of these drugs from the port of yeah. entry, which is not taking place, yeah. from these other yeah. locations, then the drug right. will slow that. It's not going to stop it, but it's going to slow it down. And you know what's really, yeah. really, really crazy about the whole border issue here in the state of yeah. California, not just here in California, but right. the Democrats, these hateful, despicable, leftist, communist liberals – say that they only bring in the sex trafficking and the drug trafficking and the gun trafficking through the port of entry. And while everybody's looking at the port of entry, there's a big gaping hole where there is no wall, where they're just pouring drugs yeah. in, and they want to ignore it as if it's not even happening. They can't count yeah. how many or how many drugs are through the non-area port of entry because they're not counting it. They're only counting the port of entry. And people are so dumb they say, what well, it's only happening in the port of entry because that's where it's getting reported. Yeah. And look at, you know, for instance, like look at, look at what's going on with how divided our nation is. And uh, Dr. Busboy, I de- definitely want your thoughts on what I'm about to say, but, you know, you work in a university. But, you know, Georgetown University right now, the students may – and this, look, look how ridiculous our society has come to, and everybody has to hear this. Georgetown University students may now face – a fee to pay back slavery reparations. Again, to pay back slavery reparations. This is how sick our society has come to. And Yale University now has a newspaper section where apparently certain students have admitted to going uh, on white, you know, you know, successful and smart white kids' computers at the school, certain ones that want to run for political office, and get whatever dirt they can off of there, and they're, they're using terms like white boy, cracker. Like the, and I'm not kidding. This was in Breitbart today, what Yale University is doing. It, it's sick the way our country's divided. It, it doesn't stop. And you have people in Chicago that, you know, like Jesse Smollett, who lied about being attacked in the, by the subway by a Trump supporter. I mean, you have all of this divide, and it just goes on and on, and this is all because of the Democrats. Will, your thoughts? No, you're 100% right. I mean, I completely agree. All of it is because of the Democrats. And it's like, you know, people still don't wake up to it. I mean, what has to happen for people to wake up to it? I mean, do we have to have destruction in this country? Do we have to, do we all have to see something that's so blatantly happening? Do we have to have UFOs in the sky before people wake up to it? I mean, it's crazy. 
And look at, look at the double standard, Will. For instance, like the Democratic Party in Virginia. If that was a Republican, they would be forced to resign. But, you know, we have oh, uh, the Democrats with the double standard. It's sick. And, and this is sick stuff. Oh, dude. Oh, dude, you know, it was really ticks me off about Virginia. You had over 500,000 people in Virginia, black people I'm talking about, that voted for these Democrats. And then the majority of them, guess what they're going to do again? They're going to turn right around and vote for these Democrats. The Democrats are the racist ones. The white Democrats are racist ones. Conservatives aren't racist. White conservatives, they're not the racist ones. The problem I have with white conservatives is because they don't say anything. They don't say enough. They all get silent, these Republicans. They get silent when these Democrats do stuff, and they don't say nothing. You know what? That time is over with. I'm so sick of it. I get frustrated because white people that are conservatives don't say anything. The very reason why this country is in the predicament seeing right now is because conservatives did not say anything. And it shouldn't take right. me that used to be a speaking Democrat to become a Republican to start saying stuff for other people to start doing it. I mean, it's completely well, crazy. Well said, Dr. Bustler, and then Josh. Go ahead. You know, this whole, uh, the Democrats' whole uh, philosophy of trying to win by division, um, I think, and I certainly hope, uh, ultimately fails. Um, and they, uh, they continue to also to place the, the needs of their party uh, ahead of the needs of the country. Um, and now that they have control of the House of Representatives, I know they're intent on uh, investigating everything, even though every single investigation is turning up nothing on Trump. They in, uh, insist on continuing to investigate. And as long as you're spending time doing that, then you can't really legislate. And the purpose of the House of Representatives is to come up with laws that they can get to the Senate to agree to and the president to sign to move the country forward. Um, after a couple of years, you know, we get into the 2020 election, and if all they've done is investigate Trump and not come up with anything uh, and not yeah. had any major legislation, uh, you know, it's going to uh, play pretty poorly for them, I think, in the elections. Yeah, very well said. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, i just like to touch real quick on, you know, in regards to the Democrats and the garbage that they keep spreading, I mean, this is it's really hurting all of their potential candidates for 2020. And to add on to that, I mean, I don't see there's not even anybody that's interesting to me. Like, as I love politics, even I'm interested in the whole process, even the people I don't agree with. And boy, is this going to is 2020 going to seem like a lame election. Now, obviously, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. And, you know, we still need to fight this fight because Trump needs to stay in office. But, boy, I, I yeah. hope some one of these people become a legitimate challenger because otherwise it's just going to be boring. Yeah. No, very, very Did you well say said. it's going to be boring and lame? Elizabeth Warren said that Trump might not even make it to 2020. Yeah, I was just going to say <laughs> that. <laughs> I, I yeah, that. Many of the Democrats of... believe that, that Trump may even be in jail before 2020, according to Elizabeth Warren. So we'll see. Here, here, here's, here's the thing, you know, going to, into that, I believe people like Elizabeth Warren know that, that he, that's never going to happen. She just knows her supporters will eat it up. Like, I believe a lot of Democrats say a lot of stuff, and majority of stuff they don't believe, just because they know that, that their supporters will eat it up. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I, it's crazy. I mean, the, the times we are living in. But uh, we, need, we do need to wrap it up. I do want to 
please, Will, uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Unite Will Johnson. America First. Can you hear me? UniteAmericaFirst.com. Excellent, buddy. And uh, we'll have you back on again soon, and we always love having you. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you. All right. Uh, Dr. Bussler, go ahead. Uh, Twitter is at M-B-U-S-L-E-R. That's at M-B-U-S-L-E-R on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash funding democracy. Or if you're on your own Facebook page, just search funding democracy. Thanks, and uh, we'll chat next week. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Have a good night. Yeah. IQ Rizzuli, tell everybody where they can find your book quickly. Just Google El Rasuli, A-L-R-A-S-S-O-L-I, and have a good day. Okay. You too, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Josh, Thank go you. ahead. Follow me on Instagram at J-O-S-H-H-L-A-V-A-T-Y. Appreciate it, Rory. All right. Thanks, man. Oh, wow. What a show. Amazing show tonight. I want to thank all of my amazing special guests, my co-hosts, my sponsors, my unbelievable audience. Remember, we are downloadable and listened to in 22 different countries, and we are on over 50 online platforms. Everybody, uh, we have a huge show for you uh, tomorrow and Thursday. I can't wait to be back with all of you. Um, You guys are all unbelievably amazing, and the show just keeps getting better and better, and it just just keeps growing and growing. So thank you. Uh, Please visit GetYourAppBuilt.com. Again, that's GetYourAppBuilt.com for your free consultation today. Also, uh, please visit um, my my Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find me. And uh, I will see you tomorrow night, everybody. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to the Rory Sider Show. Cheers, everyone. Have a good night.